These are the daily lectionary comments for December the 22nd. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 43, which tells us that the Lord loves his people deeply, but they weary him. And then we're going to look at uh, Revelation chapter 9, beginning at, at verse 13. Here's the sixth trumpet. And then also a little bit about a little scroll that's bitter and sweet. Isaiah 43 talks about the deep and abiding and steadfast love of the Lord for his people. But there's a sense in which that's an unrequited love. His, his people don't love him back the way they ought. But let, so let's first look at how God loves his people. Verse 1 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheba in exchange for you. So God loves his people, and he protects his people. Look at verse uh, 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. In verse 18, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And then he talks about what that new thing is. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will give water in the wilderness to give drink to my chosen people. Verse 21, the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. Now, this is that highway again. We keep hearing about a highway in the wilderness. Uh, and and it's the way of holiness, and it leads the people back to God. And so here it is, the Lord speaking about this highway, uh, uh, this way in the wilderness, and this water uh, in the desert. And he's going to feed his people, and he's going to take care of them. Because they're a people, verse 23 says, or verse 21 says, that I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. I mean, all of this is the Lord talking about how much he loves his people and all that he's done for them. But then look at verse 22. And this, this is meant to tug at your heartstrings and, and realize uh, the nature of God's love. He loves those who are not loving him back. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. I have not burdened you with offerings, or wearied you with frankincense, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. So this passage is talking about the great and holy one of Israel who created Israel for his glory and who takes care of and who gives other nations in exchange for them who redeems them, who's their savior. And yet this Israel does not seek him out. This Israel, uh, rather, than, rather than worshiping and seeking out to know this God uh, more and more and more deeply, instead they burden this God uh, with their sins and iniquities. Now, one other part of this passage is, uh, is verse uh, 8. Uh, 9 and 10. And so here uh, we contrast what God thinks of the nations of the world uh, and what he calls 
Israel to be and do. Regarding the nations of the world, he says, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. This is how God is describing uh, the, the nations, the Gentiles. Um, they have all the things that you would think that they would be able to hear and see, but they, they are blind and deaf. All the nations gather together, verse 9 says, and all the peoples assemble. And then God asks this question, who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. And let them hear and say it is true. In other words, let these nations explain where they came from and what it's all about. Let them explain what the living God is doing. They have no clue. They are utterly clueless. Look at verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. So this is part of what it means to declare God's praise. It means to explain to the world the truth, the reality of who this living God is, who is the maker of heaven and earth, uh, who is the judge of all the nations, who makes calamities and makes peace, who makes rivers in the desert and dries up uh, the oceans, who does whatever he pleases. It is Israel or the people of God in the New Testament. It's the church whose task it is to bring, to be a light to the nations, to be witnesses to the truth about God. And this is literally what Jesus tells us Christians. You shall be my witnesses, he says. And Acts says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are my witnesses. And we are to bear witness to what who God is and what he has done, and most especially what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. So the nations don't know. The unbelieving nations of the world today, for all their scientific sophistication and all their philosophical sophistication, and for all their trying, do not know and do not understand anything about the former things, let alone the things that are yet to come. But God says of us, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Okay, enough for Isaiah 43. Revelation chapter 9, beginning at verse 13, we come to the sixth trumpet. Now, I want to remind you of the basic pattern that with the seals, we had a total of seven seals. The first four seals kind of went together. They are a group of four, the four horsemen. And then we had a fifth seal and a sixth seal. And the, the sixth seal really pictured the end of the world. And then you had a little interlude in, in Revelation chapter 7 that was after the sixth seal and before the seventh seal. So it's, it's kind of, and, and what it does is it goes back and takes a look at the church. The sixth seal talks about the end of the world, but but the, the, the um, then we start talking about the 144,000. We're, we're really looking before the sixth seal to realize that, 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 uh, that God's own will be sealed and protected and preserved against all the horrors of, of uh, you know, the final judgment. And then it, also in chapter seven, between the sixth and the seventh seal, we have this interlude and we see a picture of all the saints of God in heaven. And then we have the seventh seal. And the seventh seal basically wraps up the vision of the seals. So what we have here is then we have six different seals, and then we have a little interlude after the sixth seal, which is kind of a vision within a vision, okay? And then the seventh seal wraps that up. Now we are in the trumpets, and we have seven trumpets. 
And you'll note that the first four trumpets go together, uh, talking about God striking the earth in various ways, the earth, the seas, the, the rivers and lakes, and then the heavens, one, two, three, and four. And then you have the uh, fifth trumpet, and this pictures a different kind, a demonic kind of horror uh, that is spread across uh, uh, the earth. Um, you know, the, the locusts coming down out of the deep shaft of the bottomless pit. And then you have the sixth trumpet where we're at right now. And, and the sixth trumpet addresses these four, uh, uh, four angels that uh, were introduced to us before in Revelation chapter 7 in this interlude between the sixth and the seventh seal. We hear about these four angels that uh, were, were holding back basically uh, the final judgment, holding back all the terrors of that until we are told, until the full number of God's uh, children can be sealed, then presumably uh, they would be let loose. But we're not told that in the, in the vision of the seals. However, in the vision of the trumpets, we are told that. So here it says in verse 14, release the four angels who are, who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for that hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. All right, so now we have the sixth trumpet is announcing essentially the beginning of the final judgment, okay? The, the, the angels are let loose to do their thing. Now, we're now going to go into another little interlude. Just as between the sixth and the seventh seal, we had an interlude of the 144,000 in the vision of, of God's uh, people safe in heaven. Now we're going to have another interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And this one, we're going to be introduced to a, a, uh, a mighty angel, uh, a little scroll that's bitter and sweet. We'll get to that today. And then tomorrow, the vision of the two witnesses, which, which flow out of that. That also is going to be another sort of a, a pair of visions within the vision of the trumpets. And then we'll have the seventh, seventh trumpet, which will wrap up that vision. Okay, so, so what we have here is the sixth trumpet is blown. The four angels that are holding back a universal catastrophe go to work. Uh, they're waiting for the day, the hour, the moment uh, uh, when the end shall come. We are introduced to a mighty angel who is saying things that we are not told what those things are. They are like uh, seven thunders. <clears throat> the, the person is pictured very much like, uh, it's, it's called a mighty angel, but, but it could actually be a vision of, of Jesus. It, it's rather than Jesus as a lamb, now Jesus is a mighty messenger from God announcing these truths. But we're not told what the truths are, but we are told that there are these truths and, and they are sealed up. And then look at verse 7. Uh, it says, in, in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, that is when the seventh trumpet is sounded, the mystery of God will be fulfilled, just as announced to the servants, the prophets. So in other words, these things that the mighty angel is saying are being revealed to the prophets, not to the world. It remains a mystery to the world but it is revealed to the prophets. But the fullness of its understanding, the fullness of God's plan will remain a mystery even to the prophets until the seventh trumpet. So with the seventh trumpet, in other words, when the end finally comes and Jesus comes again, then all the mystery of God's plan will be revealed and we will see how it all fits together. But until that time, 
there's still mystery remaining, things that are not unsealed. John is invited to take hold of the little scroll. The little scroll contains uh, these, these mysteries, these words, these prophecies, and he eats it. And he, he says that it was sweet to the taste, but bitter to his stomach. Well, this is like an expression that we often might use for some things that we might call bittersweet. And truly, the word of God can be bittersweet. It, it both beats us up on the head and it condemns us for our sin and threatens us with hell and also promises us the forgiveness of sins. It, 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 it solves our, our wounds. It heals us. It brings us life and light. Um, the word of God oftentimes cuts and hurts and smashes, but it also builds up uh, and, and gives light and life. So uh, he eats this little scroll. Now, what we're going to do, and we're going to finish with this uh, today, and then tomorrow we're going to take up the, the, uh, uh, the second part of this interlude here between the, the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And that's the vision of the two witnesses. And you're going to see that the, the whole business of this mighty angel whose, whose words are, are, are sealed, the, the little scroll that, uh, that um, uh, John eats, uh, the idea of the mystery of God going to be revealed at the seventh trumpet. Um, uh, and all of this is dealing with prophecy and the word of God in the world. We're hearing about trumpets. We're hearing about God smiting this and that and the other thing. We're hearing about demons and all that. But what we also need to recognize is the gospel is being preached and the word of God is in the world. So this whole business of the scroll and, and the mighty angel crying out, um, all of this is relating to prophecy and the power of the word of God. And then tomorrow, the two witnesses are, are going to be a much more a direct presentation of how the people of God on earth are to be witnesses. They are to be witnesses to the truth of the gospel, and we'll see how they fare. That is for tomorrow.